0: You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now, here's Pastor Dan. So, we live in a digital world, right? Streaming services, all this kind of stuff. I don't have any clue anymore how to find a TV show that I want to watch. But uh, how many of you guys still have uh, cable or a satellite service in your house for your TV? Anybody still have that? A few people? Wow, not many. My goodness, that's shocking to me. Um, we still do. Uh, I would assume though, even if you don't have that anymore, uh, you remember DVRs and things of that nature, right? And I'm sure some of the video services still have that same capability. But uh, when you were doing those things, watching a recorded show, or maybe you recorded a sport, sporting event or something like that, what happens when the commercials come room, <laughs> I would imagine most of us do that. I know I do. Uh, I, I gotta admit though, some of those commercials kind of funny, right? You get a chuckle out of them once in a while, but you know, we tend to, to avoid them in general. When you're watching it live, you're watching a sporting event, live, you've got no choice but to deal with the commercials, right? But what do we do when the commercials come on? Time to get a drink, hit the bathroom, everybody now on their phones, right? Nobody pays attention to those things. Why do we avoid them so much? Right? Think about that. Why do we avoid watching commercials? I think most people, if they aren't like the amusing kind that we all do talk about and chuckle with. Um, we get a little bit irritated, people try to sell us or get us to give money to certain whatever situations we don't want to give to, things of that nature. Um, most people get a little bit put off by people asking them for money. Here we are now, <laughs> talking about, uh, we're in 2 Corinthians 8, if you want to open your Bibles, we're talking about giving. Um, I assure you, this is not a commercial. It's not intended to be a guilt trip to get you to give, anything like that. One of the good things about God doing what he did today for us is we're just preaching through the Bible. Right? We're just taking a book of the Bible and preaching through it. And when that happens, you run into stuff and you talk about it and you don't go find ways to talk about things just because you want to, but because God put it right in front of you. So that's where we're at today. We're looking through God's word together, guys. We're not uh, we're not trying to give you some sort of uh, push to do anything. There's, there's nothing. In fact, I just reported a couple of weeks ago, our financial situation has been awesome. You guys have been great this year. So this is just God talking to us about what he wants us to hear today. Um, so I'm going to read to you Second uh, Corinthians eight, the first few verses here, and then I have a few points to share, and then we'll uh, kind of let God talk to us. Um, so it says in verse one of First or Second Corinthians eight, "We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor." of taking part in the relief of the saints, and this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he has started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine earnestness of others that your love also is genuine for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich yet for his sake his, your sake he became poor so that by his poverty you might become rich and in this matter I give my judgment this benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work but also to desire to do it so now finish doing it as well so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have Lord, as we hear uh, messages from your words, sometimes they hit us hard, sometimes they go over our heads, Lord, I pray today that uh, you would touch each ear here with what needs to be heard. Father, we thank you that uh, we can listen to your word together and that we can encourage one another in these things. Ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. So the first point I have for us today is that uh, God's given us a model here, guys. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to be in the dark, just blindly wandering and try to figure this out. Uh, the The model he gave us is kind of twofold in this passage. Um, it basically boils down to generous giving, not out of convenience for you, but somewhat sacrificially, and uh, thinking of others. The two persons in particular show me this model that he laid out for us, um, and I'm just going to pick him out of the, the passage so that we can see This is he's trying to tell us this is what I meant, and then we'll talk about the ramifications of that. First one I want to draw your attention to is in verse 9. Okay, in verse 9 it says, "For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich." Guys, I this is like as straightforward as it can be. If you're a follower of Christ, I challenge you to hear that and not realize how much we have to owe Jesus, right? We we have nothing that we should withhold from him. How can we Look at that. He he gave up glory in heaven to come here, as we saw in that video, to be in a stable, right? Dirty, nasty stable, and then live his life like he did and get killed. How could we withhold anything of this world from him? That's just, um, it, it's an easy, easy win right there for us to understand that. He gave everything to save our souls. What, what do we have to hold back from him, right? That, that's an easy one. That's his model, is that sacrificial giving of Jesus. But also, in uh, verse 2, uh, the Bible says this, it says, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed and a wealth of generosity on their part. So Paul's holding out the Macedonian church there as an example. They gave generously out of, out of a situation where they were actually in, in great need, right? They were in extreme poverty and they did it with joy. So um, it, it appears to me because he's holding that out as the model that the Corinthians maybe didn't have that approach to things and he was trying to say, guys, this is how it's supposed to be. Um, so those those two ideas are, are pretty easy for for I think to, to for us to see that you know God's model is even when things are hard we need to be generous and even when we don't want to we need to be generous and even when it costs us everything like he did for Jesus generosity is the the call of the day sacrificial generosity is the call of the day so I, I think that one's pretty easy to pull out of there um, what I want to get to next though is his expectations for us uh, that was just a starting point the the idea of giving beyond all that stuff. The, the ramifications of that, his expectations, that's like lifestyle impact. We gotta, we gotta think about how it makes us behave and how we're gonna think, uh, after that. The, it's a little bit more than just, um, you know, sharing your extra cookies at lunch or anything like that. It, it it's something beyond, uh, our, even in those days, the, the normal human culture and, and comfort level, right? He's, he's looking for us to change and be different. So, uh, it, this is usually the part where everybody gets a little uncomfortable. Start to shift our seats. Look at the watch. Or, oh, what time is it? We gotta go. We hear this anymore, but um, like I said earlier, we're just looking at God's word together, right? We're just trying to see what God says, and and we'll let Him tell us tell us how this works. So, in terms of God's expectations, uh, a couple of verses stand out to me here that we can we can use as a, a starting point for that conversation. In uh, verses three and four, it says, "For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord." begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And then later in verse 12, Paul says, for if the readiness is there, if, and he said in verse 11, I should have included that, how their hearts were ready to do this. If the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. Okay, So there, there's God laying out for us how we should approach the problem. Our, our, our attitude needs to be sacrificial, generous giving, but how do we actually do this? How do we, how do we man, maneuver through that? And what I, I think we can see here is a very clear depiction that um, we need to realize and God realizes different people have different means, and that's going to lead to different giving. Right? It's not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. And all of that, I feel like, from, from what Paul's saying here, is it should be really self-directed, guided, and motivated. We shouldn't need to have um, someone telling us what to do there once we understand. right? It, it, you need to be taught. Everyone needs to be taught things. But once you're taught, it, it's from you that this motivation comes, not from some outside uh, monarchy. It says in uh, in verse 3 there, I think, it says of their own accord, right? So it's not a big brother at church telling you what to do. Um, there, there's no watchdog telling you what's going on. But God the Holy Spirit lives in here if you're a follower of Christ and he can help you know what to do. Right? It, it's not a menacing overlord kind of way that God's you know watching if you don't do what you're supposed to do. None of this ever should be that way. But if the encouraging come alongside, this is how it works kind of way, right? The the big brother helping everybody see what, what what you're supposed to do. I hope that takes some pressure off, honestly. From you know, it, it's an awkward discussion, right? But uh, I, I hope you know that that's not something that we are, you know, looking at. But I hope, in the same way, it puts some pressure on. If God, the Holy Spirit's watching, you're not off the hook, right? It, it's it's uh, you know that that um, that pressure that happens for us to be obedient it really shouldn't come from outside. It should come from our, our desire to relate to God in the way he wants us to. As a church, as pastors, as brothers and sisters together in our communities and life group and stuff like that, we definitely are there to spur each other on. Right? It says that in Hebrews, to spur, spur one another on to good deeds. We can model things. We can notice how people live. We can encourage. We can rebuke if people are out of line. I don't think that works in a giving setting, but there's times where rebuke is an appropriate idea. right? But at the end of the day, all of those things are just reminders of how we're supposed to live. That relationship between us and God is what drives that that train. Okay, if we don't if we don't deal with our heart before the Lord, then none of that's gonna fix. Right? So um that that's really the 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 standard of this is that that from the inside your heart's gonna lead you where you need to be, not people telling you what to do. Okay? So then then we have to address the uh this sentence here where it says according to their means. What does that actually mean? And sorry, so this is the part where I get to tell you the biblical mandate is 10% from your gross income every week, every time. Right? That's what I get to do. Well, folks that have been in church a long time, you've heard that before. Hold on to your seats because there's some interesting things here that we need to consider. In the past, I've looked at this occasionally. I, I think this is the second time actually someone may me preach on giving. So I've had to do this before, but I looked at it then. I looked at it more now just to get a, a, my mind around it. And I actually got some more clearer information for me. I understood it better. I'm sure it was still there. Um, and as an aside to this, the people that have debates online, oh, my goodness, so angry, so arrogant. I, just, I, I don't do social media stuff, but there were some real like, hostile people out there yelling back and forth at each other. I just I, I don't do that. There's no point in arguing with people online. In fact, I think it enables people to be jerks, so whatever. Um, but out of all of that, I got some more information that was interesting to me. All right, so the idea of the tithe, right, the, the giving of 10%. It is. I mean, everybody who's read some of the Bible has run into this, probably. It's very clearly laid out for us with um, episodes with Abraham and Jacob. They both talked about this and did it. And then if you look through uh, the Old Testament law in Leviticus and, De- Leviticus and Deuteronomy, it comes up several times and it's discussed very clearly. It's not like it's a mystery. And, and most churches tend to use that as their um, models of teaching for people how to give. But the idea of the 10% of gross income coming from those passages where it talks about giving from your first fruits before you've taken what, you're, what you need out of it. Um, so these are all things that are, are valid discussion points. Okay, so in all these people yelling at each other, it becomes the debate of that's an Old Testament law, Jesus fulfilled it. We don't need to do that anymore. You um, and all oh, actually some good discussion. It's not like I'm blowing it off, but you know, people are just mean. Um, and, and Jesus himself only referred to tithing as a way to tell you don't be hypocritical like the Pharisees. He didn't say not to do it, but that was his point in talking about it. It was the Pharisees were being hypocritical and all that stuff. Um, a lot of strong feelings. So the bottom line is this, though, okay? There, there can be zero debate that God wants us to give generously and sacrificially. I think the, the verses we saw earlier, that, that, that's something he's looking for. The, the issue arises out of this is people want a number. They want to know how to start there. I need a number to start from. I need a, a way to, to, to know what to do. I, I think that comes from most of us having some a little legalist somewhere in our mind trying to have a way to just check the box and know that I did it right. Tell me how to do it and I'll do it. Um somewhere in there, most of us have that for something in our lives. Okay, they just they don't want you don't want to think about it. You just want to, you know, do your duty and move forward. Um you know, in this case, don't don't make me really consider what God wants me to do. Where's my calculator? There, 10%. Boom, right down to the penny, I got it. Good. Okay. Um so i got to say, though, what enlightened me this time around was looking through some of the Old Testament laws and then reading some people's debates about it. If you look at all those offerings that they were supposed to give, bring the 10% to, it actually wasn't just once a year. It was several offerings over several years of a seven-year cycle. The the year of Jubilee was a a time where things kind of reset. That was every seven years they did that. And when you look at all the times they were told to bring 10% to certain things, it works out to get this now about 23% a year. Ooh, that's a little different than I've heard before, okay? So if you want to use the Old Testament as your justification, maybe you ought to reconsider. <laughs> that's, that becomes a little tougher to swallow, right? At 10%, all of a sudden looks pretty good, okay? So, um, you yeah, know, and I'm not here telling you any of those numbers specifically what you should do, okay? That, that's absolutely not my point here. Um, so... The other alternative though is to say, hmm, I don't like those numbers. You know, whatever. If God told you to do it, then you should do that. Regardless of what the numbers, God you should do that. If if you know that God wants you to do something, that's the way it should be. But if you're gonna step back and say, well, that is an old testament law, and I don't feel it applies anymore, then you have to really rely on the hmm, what's within my means mean, What right? what 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 is according to my means actually work out to for me? Now that's a really different conversation. Um I I just from my own life experience and also just talking to people. Um, we do have, we, we've taught a financial seminar. Jason Sherman taught that last year. Uh, I've taught it before. It's just, it's, it's something that several of us in the church have a, a heart for helping people manage their finances. And in those conversations, most of us, I find, have a very low threshold of pain for what my means are, right, in terms of giving to, to things other than us. And um, I, I do think that having a numerical, numerical value to start from, to start from, and then be able to increase from there as you're you know, understanding of how this works, grows. Um, I, d- I think it does help us get over that inertia. Many people, as they come to Christ, have never given to anything before other than their pockets and their their stuff that they want. So it's hard to adjust to that, right? That's that's a new idea for a lot of people. So having the idea that at some point in time God did require some certain percentage of people in a certain way isn't a bad thing, right? And, and that, that conversation starts... It gets that conversation with you and the Lord started, and then you can work out that what does my means really mean kind of thing um it it this isn't about the numbers though really at the end of the day you you have to take a step back from that because it's a place where we end up being very illegalistic if we're not careful and I want to encourage us not to do that it's about our hearts with the Lord, as i said um i i in verse five through eight you can really see that that was Paul's purpose here in this. And in fact, he, he makes a connection between giving some things that I think you'll find enlightening, actually, and helpful. And, and I'm going to read verses 5 through 8 for you. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genu- genuine. Okay, So th- this is not about numbers and loss. It's about giving ourselves to the Lord. Right? It says they gave themselves to the Lord first, then they were able to give themselves to their brothers and sisters. This is all part of living in that grace that God's given us. Okay, And that, that really changes the game. Instead of calculating numbers, now we're talking about interacting with the Lord and, and the grace that he's given us. And that idea that he died for us really then takes its hold of these things. Right, that same grace that changed our hearts of stone to heart of flesh, and and the one that took us—we were once dead in our sins, and now we're alive in Christ. Those things, that same grace—and look at all those things he says—it helps us excel in faith, speech, knowledge, earnestness, and love. All of those we know God expects from us. Not a person in the room that's read the Bible would not think those were good things, right? And, And we should grow in those. And yet God equates those right there in the same thing with giving, in this same kind of grace, right? Um, so if that, that grace could change all those other parts of your life, it can change you from that self-centered hoarder that we have, we want to be right to thinking about other people instead. Okay. That, that's the, that's the, the grace that changes If that change isn't happening. Then you're missing out on the grace of God, right? You're missing out on growing into being who he wants you to be. And it's not a matter of calculators. It's a matter of heart change, which is what we're all about here, right? We want people's hearts to change. We want them to be more like Jesus. And, and, and put it this way, who amongst us doesn't want to, I'm going to look at this again, who amongst us doesn't want to be better at trusting God, right? Who amongst us doesn't want to be better at speaking kind and encouraging words, or knowing how to handle life, or being sincere, right? Or um, being more loving to people. Those are all things that we, I hope, I hope we desire to do, but we would want to have changes in our lives, right? Well, this is put right in there, generous givings right alongside those. And God expects us to desire it in the same way. If we don't desire that in the same way, we're missing out. We're missing out on who God wants us to be, um, and, and and again, Paul's not being legalistic, right? It's not a command. He says in, in the in the scripture that we read, it's not a command. He's telling you this is how it's going to be evident that you're relating to God. Um, everything, just like everything else that we do that pleases God, all those other things that we want to grow in, that's how we're gonna. It's an outgrowth of our love for Him, showing that love is genuine, right? And that's that's what God expects from us. Okay, so I hope that helps ease that. That bump of, of dealing with, you know, here they talk about giving again, but that's what God wants from us, okay? Last thing I want to talk about um, is I want to put this in perspective, the, the way we give, put it in perspective of God's purposes, okay? And, and note I didn't say God's purpose with a capital P, right? It, it, it's I'm not talking about some giant, sophisticated, overarching plan that if only we knew how this was, it would totally make sense to us and we can figure it all out. Uh, that's, you know, that's not the way it works. You know, we don't live in some secret society. Um, we we know the key moves to make it work for everybody. There's not some giant, you know, hidden diagram that some genius made and figured out how to pull the strings on everybody and and all that. It, it, that doesn't exist. Nobody knows that except for God. Right? That, that's his deal. So what I want us to put perspective of of for God here is that just trust him in that. And and that's that's in verse verse ten through ten and eleven. That's what he's telling us. Okay, he's saying. In this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness and desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. You know what you're supposed to do. Just do it. Don't worry about all the details, okay? Now, the in our church setting, we share our budget, we make plans and all that stuff, and that's fine. We should be involved in those things, but it's not like we have to... Like micromanage God's money for him. It's you know be part of the process and all that is fine, but let it go. Let God do what He's going to do with with your resources, just like you would with any other type of you know struggle in your life. You got to let Him manage that for you. Um, You know this. If we just do what we're we're called to do, and we don't have some worldwide plan in mind that if I give to this cause, everything will be better. um, You know, I'll manipulate it just right. And that's, a, that's a mistake we make in so many facets of our life especially you know we saw that video was really the intro video was really uh meaningful to me the the different things that happened this year um many of those things they're they're in, in that sense of trying to micromanage the world and figure it out it's just a mistake that we're making guys in in many ways and, and you may be making this too I, I i fall into this you know in in many places in my life i want to fix things and and you know the movements we're seeing trying to force systemic change and all that, everyone's missing the point here. Systems, governments, organizations, however you want to do all that, they're, they're made and maintained by people, right? People for the most part are corrupt, guys. No, it's just reality. the reality. The, um, those of us who follow Christ know how hard it is to fight against our own hearts and our own flesh. And we want to, we, we want to follow Jesus. And people that don't want to do that, what do you expect them to do? But to look out for their own interests, right? Um, so when we try to to connect in that way with things and change stuff, I think we're barking up the wrong tree. And I just I want us to encourage I want to encourage us not to get caught up in those things, but to trust God, right? And, and with your giving, just trust Him. Um, in fact, in in the concept of the the financial way things work, verses twelve through fifteen. I don't, I wanted to avoid this. I'll be honest with you, but I couldn't. God wouldn't let me do it. Uh, it says, "For I do not mean." that others should be eased and you be burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, and there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Sounds to me like Paul's pushing that whole fairness redistribution thing, right? That's kind of scary to hear. And a couple things here. I I, I did some reading on this one too, and it was really enlightening. Um, first of all, this is from me, not from Paul or anybody else. The word fair in all c- culture is a lost cause. When you hear fair, when I hear fair, I hear a toddler saying, it's not fair. That's what I hear. Okay, You, you didn't get the same as I did. It's not fair. And, and that's just lost. That, that, that word is is useless for me anymore. Um, and actually, as I looked into it, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but I recently got some resources that helped me look into some things a little better. And that word is actually better translated equality. Which doesn't seem to make it any better. Right? It almost is. It almost makes it worse. But the the like the tone of that word isn't the equality of everybody gets the same. What it actually is, and this was cool. This has really helped me understand the equality. It's the equality of different things being of the same value, not the same result at being exactly the same. Okay, and that's back to the toddler thing. I didn't get three cookies. You got three cookies. That's not how it works. Okay, it's the you do this i'll do that we'll all work it out together kind of equality that we're making this work together and we're in this we're all the same we're all we're all in this together okay it's all good that kind of equality um and and what it was was one group had resources the other group had spiritual resources they were sending and it was it was a give and take kind of thing it wasn't a a quid pro quo where you give me and i'll give you and you return it later kind of stuff that's actually what paul was trying to avoid He talks about, at this time, this is what it is. This is the exchange we're doing right now. At another time, it'll be a different exchange. And actually, right now, there's an exchange of you're blessing them, and they're being blessed. And that's a thankfulness that they're giving back, too. There's, There's all kinds of dynamics there that are not, you have $5, and I have $5, and everybody's happy. It's actually the opposite of that, which was really neat for me to see. And at the end of all of this, no matter how you get into that, all this is through God's grace. Earlier in 2 Corinthians, it talks about God gave you everything. What are you boasting about? And that really boils down to this too, right? Gave us everything. What are we withholding from? What do we care if we gave someone something they didn't give it back? Just share with each other and be generous. That, that's kind of the idea, right? Make sure everybody's taken care of in a, in a loving way. And the biggest deal out of this, and it's one of the reasons I wanted to avoid it, but I, I, I just couldn't. Remember, guys, this, this book, Corinthians, was written to a church, not to a government, right? This This was... People, brothers and sisters in Christ, mutually loving each other and taking care of each other. That is not the same thing as the guy with the sword who's in charge telling you, you give to him because I said so. It's not even close to the same thing. In fact, little history will show us the pilgrims tried this, guys. When the pilgrims got here to America, they tried the redistribution of wealth. They almost starved. The first winter here, they almost starved. And they said, hmm, that didn't work. Everybody gets to keep what they want and then share with people who need it. And that thrived. Okay, so there's a lot here that this is a place where we can take things out of context and run with it, and we don't need to do that, okay? We don't need to do that. Make sure that you don't allow other people to do that to you. That happens a lot. People grab a verse, and all of a sudden we don't know what to say because we haven't thought about it, okay? Um, So really, it it, it boils down to this. As followers of Christ, we really know only one thing truly changes stuff, right? It's that change of heart that comes when when people surrender to Jesus, repent of their sins, ask his forgiveness and know that his death on the cross saves their soul. That's the only thing that changes people. And then, you know, if if we put that in perspective, that's what we're talking about today, is our individual hearts changing to be more like him. I was reading a totally unrelated book and I want to finish with this story because it really I was reading it right before I got preparing for this and it really spoke to me in this world, okay? Um there was a CEO who was uh, trying to prepare his big stockholder speech. He had to get going, and through circumstances of life, he had to watch his eight-year-old son for a little while. And uh, he was trying to multitask with no success. It wasn't working. So, um, out of desperation, he saw a magazine in his office with a picture of the globe on it. So he took the magazine, tore off the cover, tore the picture up into some pieces, told the son, "All right, I'll give you twenty bucks when you bring that picture back to me with the world put back together." Okay? Fine. He figured he bought himself an hour or so a piece. Ten minutes later, kid shows up. There you go. All taped together, pretty. Dad's like, okay, that, that was cool. How'd you do that? And this, this is the cool part. The kid said, well, when I took the pieces, they fell down, and I saw, I, I, I had no idea how to do the world. I had no idea what deal looked like. But on the back of the picture was a man's face, and I knew what a man's face looked like. So I turned them all over, put that together, taped it up, and ready to go. What he said was, I figured if I got the man right, I'd get the world right. Boom. I don't know if it's a true story or not, but it was a good one, I thought. right, And that's what it's about, guys. If you get the man right, if you get you right, then the world changes around you. You can't not. You cannot affect the whole world. We can't do it. That's the mistake people make. We can't change the whole world by ourselves. But you can change yourself, and then that lets you impact people around you. And now you got something going on. Okay, So that, that would be my uh, encouragement to you when it comes to giving. That, that whole last piece wasn't necessarily about giving. But it ties into that very same idea, right? That if we fix ourselves with any of the things that go wrong with our corrupted hearts, if we can get right with God, that's when life's changed. Ours and then the people around us. So I would encourage you to do that. Let's pray. Lord, as we hear tough messages about things we don't want to think about, we pray that you would help us to just sit back and hear what your word says. Be like the Bereans and examine and uh, hear from you what you would have us do to be like you, Lord. None of us are good enough as we are. That's a hard thing to hear, but we all start off from really bad and move towards you each day, hopefully a little bit more. So help this to be one of those things that we just move towards you a little bit more today and then tomorrow and the next day. We ask that uh, we would have good hearts towards each other and that we would encourage one another in these things and be uh, willing to hear from you each time we open your word. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so we're gonna have our time of Lord's supper now. You can uh it's the first of the month if you didn't realize. It's awful or it's it's hard without the stuff set up here anymore. We don't know that it's happening when we come in, right? Um but we're gonna go ahead and do that. So go ahead and grab your uh your fun container. Now I, get, I got the microphone today. Okay, <laughs> none of us are happy about this, but in the world we live in it. My son who goes to church in Rochester, he said they switched to these before COVID and he doesn't know why they did it. <laughs> it's just it's convenient obviously, so um, we'll live with it for now, so go ahead and grab your, your little thing here. Keep our hearts clean, right? We're, we're worshiping the Lord together, even though this thing is what it is. Um, so uh, I'm going to read to you out of Corinthians and just to remind you I'm not going to read the whole passage out of First uh, Corinthians about this, but it does say in the passage that I read that you know, Paul is addressing the Corinthian church, poor Corinthians, you know laid down in history forever as one of the most messed- up churches in the world. Uh, you know they were doing this wrong. They were doing it with bad hearts um, towards each other and towards the Lord. So one of the conditions that doing this right entails is having your heart right before God and right with your brothers. So before we start, I just want to take a minute and encourage you to you know reflect and ask God to forgive you if you need to and, and uh, be in that, that state of mind before we start this. So just take a few seconds and pray. So the purpose of this process that we're doing is to remember the Lord, right? That's, that was what Paul wasn't calling them to when he uh, wrote this in Corinthians. So go ahead and peel off your cracker piece because we'll start with that. And it says, uh, For I received from the Lord what I deliver, also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was afraid, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So remember, guys, there's no magic in this. What we're doing is remembering that Jesus gave his body for us, broken on the cross, and his blood was shed to cover our sins. And when we remember that, we honor him and worship him. Let me pray for us before we go. Lord, as we remember you, we're so thankful that you gave all for us. And Father, I just ask that as we go forward from here, we can give our all for you. Uh, Not just financially, but in every way. As it was called for, all our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, have a great week. Um, we are having a baptism next service. We will show that video for you next week so you can see and celebrate with us. It's uh, a little awkward with the two services. We're trying to make sure everybody gets to get to know each other and, and to see what's going on. So uh, look forward to that next week. week. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.